0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's opening night in the NBA, folks. We made it! Like it was some kind of weird challenge. It wasn't because the offseason was only two months long. Good day, everyone. Happy Tuesday to you all. I am Dan Bespris, and this is Fantasy NBA Today, your one-stop shop for the season now for all things full-season fantasy, and we will be talking sports betting this year pretty reliably throughout the season as well. It's something that I've done for the better part of about a dozen years or so. Uh recreationally a bit even before that but it's it's time you know we've had so many promos with our buddies over at my bookie I know a lot of you guys are on there now so we're going to be covering that and uh, obviously a ton of full season fantasy stuff today there's it's sort of our last non in-season show so I'll take a minute or two here at the outset just to kind of set the table for everyone what you guys can expect from this podcast over the next five months and then we'll dive on into it. we got Vince Miracle, my old buddy. He'll be joining us here in about five minutes or so on the podcast. First thing is, this is a HoopBall presentation. And HoopBall is hoop-ball.com. That's the website. Their Twitter feed is at HoopBallFantasy. Strongly suggest you follow that for all of your up-to-the-minute breaking news. That Twitter feed has all the breaking news as it comes out across the NBA and what that means for your fantasy team. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I give that out on every podcast because, frankly, it's important to me. I like to know you guys are checking things out. I like to communicate on Twitter, and, you know, that's the selfish stuff. I like to see the numbers click up. But for you guys, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter that I can't really do on the podcast because it involves... Uh, you know things as they're breaking. And the show is really is once a day. So we cover stuff as it stands the moment I hit the record button and then not so much after that. So, for instance, reasons to give me a quick follow on Twitter beyond the selfish ones. One, I'm going to be doing a, a sports betting tweet storm every day as, as much as I can at least, maybe not weekends, but every day that I can breaking down the entire card, what my leans are, why I lean that way, and I did one for tonight's ball games yesterday already. So that's already out there, you know, on the giant cards. It'll be a little bit more brief per game, but we're gonna be doing it on every ballgame. So if you're into the sports betting thing, massive, massive reason to follow me on Twitter. If you're into the fantasy side, a couple of things that we've done on Twitter over the last few years that I think have made it a, a value add proposition for you guys is a what to watch for feature that I try to do early afternoon Pacific time every day. Basically, what I'm looking for. On the card that night. So, like, if I was going to do that for tonight, for opening night, what am I watching for? Uh, well, not a lot in Lakers Clippers, honestly. Uh, probably just the Zubots serge Ibaka minute split. That's more or less the one thing you're looking for there. Probably a bit on the Dennis Schroeder-Montrez Harrell, how they work among a second unit, potentially. If Schroeder's starting, how do they rotate minutes? But from a fantasy standpoint... Zubats and Ibaka is kind of the one thing in that ballgame. And in Game 1, what we're watching for on um, a fantasy standpoint is pretty minimal because Draymond Green is out. So whatever we gain from the Warriors' side, we're going to have to make an adjustment on. And for the Nets, the center spot, DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. How does that minute split take place? So these are things that imp- that are important because as you watch the game, You are filing that information in your brain immediately. You're not waiting for the box score at the end of the night. You're watching the game live, and you're seeing how these things shake out. Because let's say that, you know, I think we, I believe DeAndre Jordan is starting. I believe as far as we know, he's the starting center. And I've talked a lot on this podcast about how KD and Kyrie just want him in there, even if he's probably not the better option from an actual win-loss standpoint for that team. But they want him in there. So what do we find out? Let, what if DeAndre Jordan plays the first six minutes and then comes out and Jared Allen plays the next 13 or something crazy like that? And then DeAndre Jordan comes back in for five. So is that going to be DeAndre getting 22 minutes in a game despite starting? Or is it going to be the other way around? Is Jordan going to play the first seven, take a break, and then play the last seven? And then he gets 14 of the 24 first half minutes. So these are big things that you can react to in real time at halftime. You could throw a a trade-offer out there for Jared Allen or Jordan, or maybe DeAndre didn't get drafted in your league. I don't know. This is why we're watching for them as they're happening. You're not waiting for the full game to get a picture. Sometimes you can make a move as early as halftime, so that's what to watch for. We'll often talk about that on Twitter as the day goes on. And then I want to try to get some end-of-game tweet storms going as well. They probably won't be every single night because I'm already not really sleeping. (laughs) with too many things going on. But we've done those over the last few years, and, and those have been uh, uh, pretty helpful, I think, in sort of recapping the night's action and, and what we could really pull away from that stuff. So that's what we'll be doing on social media throughout the season, among other things, obviously just interaction and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's, that's why the podcast can't cover everything. We can't cover everything on a show because things happen over the course of the day. So again, that's at Dan Bespris on Twitter. What's going to come of this podcast now? For those of you that have been with us before on this show, this next segment will be relatively familiar to you. Many of you, however, are newer listeners. And so uh, I want to make sure that you guys know kind of what you're getting into. Starting tomorrow, the podcast will be breaking down what happened the night before. We're not going to go box score by box score. I'll be taking the big picture items, the... uh the sort of, it's not just going to be monster things, but anything that I believe moves a needle on a particular player. Like if there's a bad player who has a good ball game, and I still think he's kind of clunky, I might mention it in passing, but we'll break down and we'll we'll dive into the bigger fantasy stories from that night before. We will take a look, of course, at the upcoming card, because you guys know I like to assign some homework on this podcast that kind of corresponds with the what to watch for Elements that we talk about on social media. Here, this is what we're looking for tonight, and these are the games that I want you to be watching live. Get your league pass subscription renewed so you can see these things as they're happening. Not that many of them tonight, just two ball games, but you guys get the idea. We're gonna be breaking down the uh, the gambling card, kind of a quick preview on each ball game as the nights are shaking out, and we're gonna try to get some guests involved. That should be a lot of fun. Didn't get a chance to do as much of that last year as I would have liked. But we're going to get those guys involved as well. We'll talk with guests about some of the hot stories, some of how the key players are doing at each juncture of the season, strategic elements at each portion of the fantasy season. And then, of course, we'll have breaking news on any podcast that, uh, that comes out. We'll review the sort of overnight stuff and anything big that happened the day before. So that's generally how the next five months are going to go. It's going to be... Uh, A little bit repetitive, at least in terms of format, but at least we know what we're getting into. And so let's dive right into that now. Uh, Today's show is, well, I shouldn't say dive right into that now because we don't have games to break down. Today's show, uh, again, we're going to be talking here to Vince Miracle just momentarily on preparing for night one. And so with that in mind, let's just do it. Vince, on a scale from one to ten, how excited are you?
1: A twenty. Yeah, and, I knew uh, it. <laughs> it's never a one to ten. I'm I'm over the top. Dan, first off, Dan. Hello. We're back together, man. Like when's the last time you and I were on a pod together for hoop ball? I think we did a podcast together on my on my podcast, like a, or I was a guest at like a trade deadline show oh, yeah. a couple. Of- you know? But that was about. That's like the last time we, you and I, have been on a podcast together. We've talked more. We've done podcasts together, but obviously, I
0: forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, like, so let's do a little bit of background here. First off, uh, this is Vince Miracle. Hello, Vince. <laughs> Hi. Uh, he is at VM Center on Twitter. You can give him a follow. He's with us here at Hoop Ball once again, reunited. Uh, Vince was the. Well, I guess I did my first few shows with Brew when he was trying to figure out if I actually knew what I was doing, but technically, we were the first co-hosts of Fantasy NBA today. Way back. Yeah, like That our, was like I
1: remember I remember so many of our beginning shows, very beginning. Just random phone calls. Yeah, I was sneaking So this hopefully people find this amusing. I hope they do. Uh
0: I would I was still working for a minor league baseball team at that point. And so I had all my recording equipment set up in a press box. So sometimes we needed to do a show at like three in the afternoon and I just wander up to a press box. We didn't have doors, but luckily nobody was moving around at that point. So I just like locked myself in the corner and did a fantasy, did 45 minutes of fantasy basketball and you were doing it in your car.
1: Yeah. So this was like when we first started doing our podcast, you were still at at the blaze. I believe that's the team name that you had that team and then i was still not at the hoop ball studios i was still working as a manager for a lending company i wasn't even at the hoop ball uh station yet so we would like be planning our our pods and our recordings like in between our best times like you would go upstairs (laughs) and you'd be like whispering in a corner like hey we got to make sure we do this quickly i'm like hey i'm in a car so it'd be perfect if we can just zoom through this what we used to do so many one takes end it with, man, we did that in one take. Good job. You're like, yeah, good job. like, all right, see you later. See ya. Yeah, (laughs) we'll
0: talk to you Thursday. We'll do it again. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, those are the days.
0: We would would prime ourselves for the podcast by me doing Herbert the Pervert impersonations uh, until we both sort of like had the pipes loose. And then- (laughs) You did. By the way, you did a great job. You promoted most of those shows. You were handling most of the marketing for Fantasy NBA Today at that point, and that was how anyone knew that it even existed. And here we are now. This is like four and a half years later from that. That was like April of 2016, and here we are, December of 2020, uh, the COVID era season starting today. This podcast for airing on Tuesday morning. And uh, I, I don't know, I didn't think there was much of a better way than kind of bringing it all first full circle. So welcome back, Vince. It's good to have you.
1: Yeah, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be back with the family where we started it all. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to finally start talking about basketball and, you know, being quarantined and actually start watching some sports that I love. So glad to be back.
0: Yeah, let's do this thing. So Vince and I are breaking down the opening night card, both from a fantasy and a betting perspective. Going to be doing a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B on a lot of our shows this year. Uh, We have a HoopBall gaming division, which Vince is a part of at HoopBall, so kind of an opportunity, and we did this during the bubble, too, when fantasy was completely irrelevant, breaking the games down on the betting side. We're just going to try to mush all that good stuff together into one delicious meal of a podcast, so Vince, I'll I'll give you the choice
1: here. Do you want to do fantasy or do you want to do
0: betting first? Let's start with some betting. Yeah. My, my,
1: my, my mind's set on that right now. All
0: right. Well, we are chronologically. It's just a two-game card. Game one, Warriors at Nets. The line currently, looked like it opened actually at five and a half. Line right now is Nets by seven, presumably on the Draymond Green absence news. That line climbing in Brooklyn's favor, possibly also betting related. Total opened at 228. It's up to 231 and a half. Where do you sit? What are your first impressions of this? And then I'll give my own.
1: 231 and a half. I'm I'm still leaning on that over. I feel like there's too much scoring in this game, especially on Brooklyn's side. Uh the plus seven for the Warriors still is not enough points for me. I don't know how they're gonna out rebound Brooklyn at all. They got size, including including on, on Durant's side of it all. They got Kyrie. There's there's just too many offensive weapons as well as rebounding people there in Brooklyn to where the Warriors, you don't really know what they have in terms of big Marquise Chris, eh. James Wiseman. I mean, hopefully he's as good as everyone wants him to be. Draymond not being there. There's no real defenders, except for if you're really hoping that Oubre and Bazemore can take up that wing defense. I just don't know how the Warriors keep up, other than that they're going to score as many points as they can. I think they're going to get buckets regardless. They're a scoring team. I like The the only bet that I like on this game is the over 231.5.
0: Yeah, the side has given me trouble. I actually lean the other direction than you do on the side, mostly just because I think... With these early season games, I, I tend to lean in the direction of continuity, and I know the Warriors did bring in Ubre, which is, uh, that, that's a big new piece to work in, but not nearly as large as what the Nets are trying to do, which is KD and Kyrie, first real game together, which bumps Karis Laverse down the pecking order, bumps Spencer Dinwiddie even further down the board. I think there's going to be more rust there than we saw during the preseason when no one's guarding anybody, and I, and I don't know that, I mean, game one, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of people guarding each other anyway, but it'll be light years beyond what these guys were dealing with during preseason games. I mean, that there was that clip of, and this is a different team and player altogether, but there was that clip of LeBron James floating around after he was just like, yeah, like go get your layup, man. That's fine. Because that's what it's like in the preseason. So I actually lean to the Warriors' side uh, just because I think there's going to be a ton of rust. I think the Warriors have some continuity. I mean, there there are some new pieces, but with the net side, you're going to see a lot of turnovers early on this year. Guys deferring to one another, to make sure that their teammates feel respected and loved, and they're going to be throwing it to the wrong team. Uh, so I lean to the Warriors side. On the total, um, I could be convinced either way. My, my, my inclination on the first game of the year is to weigh the... the there's sort of this internal battle going on between... What you were talking about, which is teams just getting up and down the court because no one really wants to play defense in a long, drawn-out season on opening night, and and juxtaposing that with the rust and the new bodies involved on the Nets' side. And I think right now I'm actually leaning the opposite direction as you. So this makes for kind of a good... We get to duke it out here in our very first game. That's kind of fun.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'm just doing already. Well, I mean, the... The over-under is literally a coin flip right now, even in Vegas. They both they both sit at minus 110. So, you, like like you said, you can be convinced either way. I lean more towards the other way just because of the names that are there and how they're going to score points. It's going to be a fast, up, fast game up and down the court. You're going to see a lot of three-pointers taken. You're going to see a lot of razzle-dazzle from Kyrie, I think, early on just because it's his first game back. But, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how the Nets – Turn like if they can keep their turnovers in check because you you got so many people they're gonna want the ball in their hands from a Dinwiddie to a Kyrie, from from KD to DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen Joe Harris. Uh, and there's just so, Karis Levert. There's just so many names there. That's why I've been looking at the prop bets, Dan, like my favorite Ooh. prop bet. And this is, this is the one that I have money on already. And I have it at plus plus one twenty. It currently sits at plus plus uh, one sixteen, and that's Kevin Durant with five, five plus assists and Brooklyn wins the game.
0: Oh, that's intriguing, man. That is intriguing. I, uh, so do both of those have to hit for it to hit? So is it like a prop parlay almost?
1: Yeah, it's a prop parlay, so they both have to hit. So Brooklyn obviously has to win, and obviously Kevin Durant has to get six plus assists. I just, I just see, I just see that. Ha- I don't see how that doesn't happen. To be honest, like it, Ky- Kevin Durant is such a willing passer. To have Kyrie, who's a slasher, Dinwiddie slasher, then you have shooters, or and Dinwiddie is a shooter. Wait, as is well, it five
0: or was it five or six on KD?
1: Uh, for the cave Durant, I think it's five. I think it's five plus assists. Okay, You're right. six, six. Assists.
0: You'd have to, you'd have to really convince me to take six. Five, five is more within within reason because he averaged, uh, did he, average? he averaged, he about five assists with Golden State, right? Or he was 5.9, 5.4, 5.9 the last couple of years with them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so it's it's five plus assists and Brooklyn has to win the game. It sits at plus one sixteen right now. I currently got it at plus one twenty. Mm. So I'm feeling good about it. I just I just feel like, like you said, they're gonna be trying to be a little too unselfish.
0: Yeah, deferring, yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's gonna be a lot of points to be had in this game as well. So just I can just see Kevin Durant, who has looked good this preseason. He just hasn't looked. Everyone says they look like himself, but I mean, himself would be Doing his crossovers while still going full speed and he hasn't really done that yet I think I just see him doing a lot of like down pin screens up to that like not free throw line mid-range jumper Obviously the setup three-pointers look good I just think he's gonna be e- easily be able to pass the ball to a Kyrie a Dinwiddie a Levert anybody like that and, hmm. and Five five assists is not hard to get. It's five plus So if he even if he just gets five assists and Brooklyn can win the game as seven-point favorites I just feel like that's a really good prop bet right there.
0: Yeah, the the Brooklyn wins half feels uh relatively safe. I I I do I I do think the Warriors are fairly competitive. I I can't overstate my fear on the putting a bunch of new pieces together. I like the idea though of of betting on high assist numbers for guys because they are going to be trying to pass to one another. The question is are they going to be are they going to be good ones? That's that's the real question. That's interesting. I like that. Uh, you know, yeah. let, me, let me change the format of what we were going to do here, because it makes more sense to actually just do it game by game. Let's talk fantasy on this Warriors game also, before we move to, to game two. Um, what, are you, what are you looking for? Are you looking to see how many minutes the guys... like? Because with the Brooklyn side in particular, you're talking about two superstars, one of whom hasn't played in a year and a half. The other one played sparingly this most recent season. But effectively, they're both coming off long layoffs... Is that really just like see him get through the game? Uh, is there anything else in this one you're wa- I
1: mean, there's, there's there's a ton, I guess I should say, right? Yeah, there's just so much like style of play. What is Steve? I mean, people keep like they just bring up Kevin Durant and Kyrie and all the other pieces, but Steve Nash, first time head coach, yeah, with Mike D'Antoni. Now they're trying to run a Mike D'Antoni offense as well. I want, I want to know how the shots are going to get, get shifted around here. Like, how many is each player taking? What are the minutes like for these guys? Uh, that I mean, for the Nets side, there's just so many question marks. I mean, they, they just paid a lot of players as well, didn't they? They just paid uh, Joe. Uh, his name is slipping my mind right now. Joe, the shooter. Oh, Joe Harris. His last name was just slipping my mind right <laughs> Harris, there. Harris, the he- toughest name <laughs> in the NBA. Exactly, The easy <laughs> to remember is the toughest name to remember. They just paid a lot of these guys, and the fact that they didn't bring back Allen or they didn't extend Allen, I think that's something you are going to want to keep your eye on. That news just broke today, so
0: yeah, that yeah. so like from a fantasy standpoint, that actually, and I said this a few times during the off season, and and people were were pushing back on me hard, and I get it because it was a it was a little bit of a of a hot take, but you know like Kenny Atkinson basically got fired last year because he wouldn't play DeAndre Jordan very much. They want, KD and Kyrie, they want DeAndre Jordan in the lineup. They, they kind of forced Brooklyn to give that old goat a four-year a four deal. So I think DeAndre's starting, and I think he's playing 25 to 29 minutes a game for this team. And then with, with Allen not getting extended, like I don't. I, to me, that makes him probably harder to trade. But I don't. Maybe not. Whoever would want him in a trade is going to be trying to extend him. So that's something to watch. The Brooklyn center rotation, the Warriors side. There's a ton to watch. Uh, with no Draymond Green, I guess that it, it screws things up a little bit because we're going to have to tweak our numbers afterward. But you're obviously watching Wiggins. You're watching Ubre to see how they fit in. Those guys are less question marks than you know. What happens with Wiseman? How much does he play? Uh who fills in for Draymond Green. Like there's a lot of fantasy questions in this game.
1: Yeah, I wonder with if Draymond's is Draymond officially out. I didn't see that one. Is he officially out for this game? Uh he's
0: he's yeah, he was listed as out on the Monday ledger. I'm I'm gonna go with it. I think curse said that he was hoping to get him back at some point on their road trip.
1: Okay, yeah. So like I wonder if they'll do like a, a big man lineup where it's Wiseman and Marquise Chris together.
0: They could. They could. I'm like what? Especially what are their choices? What are their choices? Mean, this- yeah, DeAndre Jordan's big. Kevin Durant will be there. Presumably, the power forward in Brooklyn. Like you got to, you got to put a little bit of size out there. The Warriors are not. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of Kevon Looney could see some action with Dre out. Eric Pascal could see some action. I think
1: um, the best thin. side. Eric Pascal is going to be a nice play. I, he he was just putting up numbers in the in the time he was filling in for Draymond uh, last season. I think Pascal's a good, you know, DFS play fantasy wise. I don't think he he matters in this game. No, it's just I just want to see like what what type of team we're gonna seek with the Warriors. We already know the type of offense they want to run, but no Klay Thompson automatically starting the season with no Draymond Green question marks against Wiseman. There's a good chance they're starting Marquise Chris against a team like the Nets that have nothing but size, and like you said, they're still trying to figure things out, and since we started talking, Dan, the lines already went up to plus seven and a half for the Warriors.
0: Mm, then maybe I'll wait, and I'll take Warriors if it hits eight. That's a lot of points to get. That's a yeah. lot of points to get from a team that hasn't played together ever. Mm. Yeah, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Warriors in that first one all of a sudden. Uh, wow. All right. Let's do let's do game two. Clippers Lakers. This one is all storyline, right? Because game one is all about who's healthy enough to play. Game two is who cares enough? Who cares enough? Uh and I don't know. Maybe I'm Vince, maybe I'm out of my mind with this one. And maybe I'm misreading the way the general public feels. But I thought the whole offseason has just been spent clobbering the Clippers and anointing the Lakers, which is fair. Because the Clippers flamed out and the Lakers won the championship, but I, this number to me feels like the, it seems like the Lakers should have been laying more. It's only two and a half right now. I'm 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 thinking Clippers, if only because I think they actually care more about this game.
1: I'm the exact. I just think the Lakers are about to put the beat down on them. I I just I you don't think see what the Clippers, on day one. What the Clippers did yeah? I don't see what the Clippers did. To get really better, I mean, they got Ibaka after losing Harrell. I get that, but guess who they lost Harrell to? The guy that they're about to go up against right now. Then he'll they, he'll have they, a
0: good game, by the way. I think Montrez has a really good game. Is that if that I, prop bet is
1: floating around out there, I would take it. Oh, uh, there probably is one. I can pro- I can look into that as well right now. You can but say I, whatever
0: I, you I, want about revenge games being real or fake, but this fast after being just cr- Montrez was. Twitter basically accused him of being the reason the Clippers lost in the playoffs, and he wasn't good, to be fair. But I mean, there were uh, there were a lot of reasons the Clippers lost, and you know he felt like the Clippers didn't want him anymore. He has he has a built-in rage and a built-in motor. I, like I don't think LeBron and Anthony Davis really even want to be playing yet, and I think the Clippers really want to get on a court and wipe the bad taste out of their mouth. I, I feel I have a pretty strong lean actually the Clippers side. I'd l- you and I should have a. a well we can't actually go anywhere together so we may have we may just have to like have a uh we'll send an electronic beer to one another wager on this one
1: yeah no no we can have a uh a, a nice zenga poker that you can send them the little draft <laughs> like, you know, like a zoom meeting or something or during oh. our draft tonight but yeah like with the clippers the the cool thing with the Clippers and why I think that they're gonna have like a like I said, a chip on their shoulder. They're coming, they're coming into this game after suffering a 3-0 lead on that Nuggets team and then just getting kicked out of the playoffs. They're gonna have to prove that there's something right off the get, and they're going up against the Lakers. I and on, on, on top of that, after an interview that wasn't that long ago where LeBron says even he was surprised and kind of was taking little digs. At the Clippers for not bringing back Harrell, like you were saying. Am I
0: convincing you? Am I turning you on this one?
1: No, I just think it's going to be a good game. But yeah, minus three, minus, minus two and a half, minus three, I still lean like I just think the Lakers have depth now. They actually have a point guard that can get you buckets. While well, everyone liked Rondo, I liked Rondo. Playoff Rondo is obviously better than regular season Rondo. Yeah. And Dennis Schroeder's <laughs> good. Like Dennis yeah, Schroeder proved he was good last year. And I'm going to ride with that. You get that, you, you replace uh K or not KCP you replace whoever it was uh, Danny Danny with,
0: Green, yeah. Danny Green to Wesley Matthews is a Matthews. It was sort of a wash, a little bit of a
1: wash. So you stay fine there. You get to keep KCP. Is Kyle Kuzma as good as his contract extension? No. We'll find out. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll find out. I, I just feel like they have so many pieces now. And then the veteran leaders you, you get you get Marcus instead of Javel McGee way better. Way better. Yeah. I uh, listen, like, so
0: I'm not going to argue with you. I think the Lakers actually had a wonderful off season. And I'm a Laker fan uh, as an Angelino. That was uh I, so I grew up a Dodger fan. I became a Laker fan in like 94. They were so they were quite bad. So I don't want people to say that I jumped on in the bad way. And I jumped on during the what I like to call the Sedale Threat era. Um so I love their off season. All the things that you said are 100% true. Montrez Harrell is going to be useful for them because the Lakers had no real bench last year. Schroeder, same thing, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. Just more younger weapons on this team. But for me, it comes down to all the other stuff you said. Clippers have all the bad pub. They have all the reasons in the world to come out and say, we mean business this year. Last year, we put up banners talking about how we were the grinders, and then they just rested their guys all year. And, and there was it, nothing matched. They, they, their identity was bunk and I think this year they know they have to create an identity of toughness. And I think for the Clippers, that starts on night one. So I, I Eileen Clips, where do you sit on the total? 222 and a half. Um, this one, I'm best. I'm struggling with this one.
1: I have no idea. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> this, could be, this could be a defensive game where the Lakers show that they still have one of the best defenses from last year, if not better. And the Clippers could be trying to do the same exact thing. And I don't know. Where to turn. Yeah, I really I, don't know either. I'm I'm lost no. on the total.
0: I, I think I lean ever so slightly to the over. I think there's gonna be um I think the Lakers are not gonna wanna bang first thing out of the shoot. I think they're gonna wanna just kind of mess around for a while, maybe take it seriously in the second half, fourth quarter, kind of thing. So I ever so slight lean to the over, but I'm I think that number's pretty good.
1: I think the best bet, and it doesn't matter what side you lean on, whether you're you're leaning more towards Clippers or you're leaning more towards Lakers, I think the best bet on this entire thing is going to be the money line, whichever way. A minus one fifty is not bad. I really don't mind a minus one fifty bet or plus one thirty to the Clippers. Mm. I mean, a money line bet does not sit bad with me on either side. I like both of those. But again, Dan, I have another uh, parlay. Ooh, you got
0: you got the Montre. You have Montrez numbers in front of you by any chance? Because he's going big.
1: There's no, there's no Montrez ones. That's crazy. They have oh, KCP.
0: And they have KCP. Get out of no here. No
1: Montrez. Oh, brutal.
0: Give me all the Montrez overs if anyone can find them.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would take Montrez double double.
0: He's good. Yeah, yeah, he's he's taking one shots. Dude, I would take that, that for dude, sure. That dude has taken at least a dozen shots in the game.
1: At, at Dennis. Least. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, you. Go Dennis ahead. Five assists and a Lakers win for plus two ten. Oof.
0: Yeah, I think the Clippers are winning, so I can't I can't jump on that one with you.
1: No, but I mean, like, if you think if you're someone that thinks that the that the the Lakers are gonna win, do you think Dennis Schroeder can get you six assists I or five? Don't assists, five I assists. actually
0: don't like he's I really like Schroeder a lot, but he's not that great of a passer. He only averaged four assists a game last year.
1: Okay, then here's a parlay for you, Clipper fans. Are you ready? And not Clipper fans, but just Clippers that think they're gonna win this game. All right, hit me. For you. Kawhi Leonard with five assists, Clippers win, plus 280. Yeah, I like that one more, which is amazing because that's massive dog odds. I probably
0: wouldn't parlay it, but Kawhi averaged five assists a game last year. I think he's going to continue to facilitate. Um, I you know I think with with Ty Lue, they're going to be running more stuff that involves passing as an offense. I think you see Paul George has taken more shots this year, which is good for Kawhi's passing numbers. Uh, that one, I mean, that's a big, that's a pretty big long shot, but I like it. I mean, I might even split that up. If you could get them separately, take Kawhi over five assists and take Clippers to win. And then, you know, if they both hit great, but if you get either one of them, you probably win money at that point. Cause I'm guessing they're both dog odds separately,
1: right? Yeah, you can do it. You can just do points, uh, over under Kawhi Leonard getting 24 and a half points. Under. Yeah, I'm leaning under two. I think I think Paul George is going to be the big scorer. Yep. for this team. I That's agree. why they paid him. Yeah, I think but... Paul George has to show why. I mean, it, let's be honest. It was Paul George's fault. Like, can we can we say that? Like, it, obviously, it was the whole team's fault, but a lot of this seems to be falling on the shoulders of Paul George just because he was the first one to come out and actually talk about it on that All the Smoke podcast about what happened in the playoffs and in that bubble and the, all the complaints that came about this team and how they never felt unified yeah. and they were always arguing with each other at the same time too like you said how are you guys going to say like we don't feel like we know each other on the court yet then why were you resting so many games like when you know there's no practices during the season it's very rare to get more than one practice in on a se- like uh, in a week for a season you know what i mean so it's like i don't know that that that, that logic oh, yeah. never made sense
0: to no, me. no their their whole plan last year was flawed right from the get go they they got beat by teams that were that had better chemistry, and and the, the sad part really is the Clippers were the most talented team in the NBA last year, I think. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, like it wasn't. They should have won, and they probably would have if they were a little, if they were a little bit better prepared for what the playoffs were going to bring. And I think that's that's why I lean Clippers in a lot of scenarios. I think they're winning the West this year. Uh, I think actually I actually think they're winning the title this year, and I think they're winning this ball game. but all right, let's talk fantasy for a second on this one we' we've, we've beat the the betting thing to a pulp at this stage. Um, is there anyone in the clippers that you're that you're interested in in watching really? I feel like the only minor storyline on the Clippers' side is what's the minute distribution for Serge and Evita Zubats. There's like there's almost no other real pending story with them, or am I missing something?
1: No, I think I think I want to see what Ibaka is doing. Is he like he had a really good end of the season with with the Raptors. Like he was putting up numbers like 15-8 and like uh, like two three pointers almost. He was putting up numbers. I want to know what he wants to do with the Clippers cuz he obviously makes sense, but is he just taking on the Montrez role or is he trying to be the starter? And how big are the Clippers still on Zubak? It seemed like Doc Rivers really liked Zubak as a starter, but he's not there no more. So I'm very interested in that. I also want to see if Lou Williams still got it. It seemed like he lost a step in that bubble. I want to see if he's still a walking bucket like I blame.
0: uh, I blame Strip Club Wings. We had Strip Club Wings, Lou Williams in the bubble. Dude, that whole team just wasn't right. They weren't there mentally in the bubble.
1: Yeah, it's it's just a man. That's it's just a weird game. But I do have a fantasy question for you, and I think this is gonna especially for like one today where you are someone that has a draft, you and I actually have a draft together and you're picking up later in the draft. How much do you consider when you're looking at guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, all these big names that normally go in the first round and they should, how much do you consider how much time they're missing to the other players that are around them? So let's say for example, you're sitting there and you have a Kawhi Leonard, and a Devin Booker, right? Like that's a, that's a good example cuz you and I were just talking about it earlier off the air. Yeah. How much how much do you can like look at it and say, "Man, Devin Booker minutes wise, games played wise is going to have significant more time over Kawhi Leonard." Or do you even how- do let's say you have Kawhi and LeBron it's the same question.
0: How long's the clock in our our draft in each pick? 2 minutes? 2, Two minutes. I'm going to spend time. a minute and 59 seconds thinking about that cuz it is yeah. It's everything. It's everything. It's it's a massive, massive discussion point. I thought about it forever. You and I were uh, we're recording this on Monday for a Tuesday show. Uh, I had a draft on Sunday in a head to head league and I had the 10th pick. And then you sent me a screenshot today of the draft randomizer. And I got the 10th pick again in this league. So I've been in that exact seat within the last that draft was about eight o'clock last night, so it was like twenty a little bit less than twenty hours ago uh eighteen seventeen eighteen hours ago and i spent that was a ninety second clock and i spent eighty nine seconds thinking about which guy i was gonna take in the first round in that one i ultimately went devin booker um it's a uh it's a deep league we start um uh, we start eleven with a five player bench and two injured reserve slots so there's you have to go a little bit deeper into it and there's also a, uh, a pretty good-sized prize for winning the regular season. So there's an incentive where to get guys that play. You want guys that don't miss weeks or games, even if— and this is sort of an interesting sticking point. Last year, pre-bubble, Kawhi Leonard was number six, Devin Booker was number eight. Ah, sorry, that's including the bubble. So they ended up really tight to one another— Booker probably gets a a little bit better this year, one would assume. If you go pre-bubble, Kawhi was actually 6th in 51 games, and Booker was 13th playing 62 games. So he played 11 more games. He still couldn't catch Kawhi in total value. But some of that, Booker had 3.9 turnovers. Kawhi had 2.7. You turn those off, suddenly Kawhi is 9, Booker is 8. Devin passes him if you're punting turnovers in your head-to-head league. So these are all things that are swirling around in my brain, Zach Galifianakis style, in those 89 seconds. And ultimately, I said, you know what? I'm going to go Devin Booker, because this is a head-to-head draft. If I make the playoffs, you know, (laughs) heaven forbid I don't, if I make the playoffs, I'm going to be streaming like a lunatic anyway. So, you know, in all likelihood, I'm going to lose turnovers just from trying to maximize games played, so screw it. I'm going to take the guy who I think plays more games. I think if I'm punting turnovers, they're basically a dead heat. Uh, And then if Booker takes a small step forward, then he gets my lean. But, I mean, I didn't really answer your question other than to say, I don't know. I don't know. It could have gone either way. It was a coin flip in my brain, and that was how I ended up on Booker in that draft last night.
1: I feel like with me, if you have the choice between Booker and Kawhi, and I'm giving you... Draft advice to a Dan Bespers who hosts Fantasy NBA today. And it's also my <laughs> opponent heading into Sunday's draft. I, I know. What are, we, what are we doing right now? We're discussing a draft that we're about to have against one another. Right. But I'm pulling out the stamp, Dan, because when I see Kawhi next to Devin Booker, I'm looking at Kawhi's folder here that I have in front of me. I'm grabbing this stamp and saying, Poof! Not my headache. Oh, I'm so
0: glad you brought that out. By the way, the golf club for bringing the the stamp out. That's that takes us back. I'm gonna have to explain that after you're done with your with your uh, Kawhi thoughts here.
1: I just I just can't I can't I can't trust Kawhi Leonard. Whether it could be a rest day, it could be injuries. The one cool thing is though, and I don't know if it's really cool or if we'll just hear some like snazzy new way of how they're resting players. But I believe that the NBA is gonna start giving fines if you rest. Star players or certain players during like primetime games, if it's not for injury, like you can't yeah. just say, rest anymore. Well,
0: Ballmer, Ballmer will pay it if they have to. Ballmer can can cut it. Yeah. But I don't I think don't Booker's going to rest. I mean, that's one of the differences. Kawhi's going to get his back to back games off because his leg, I mean, you could see him even in the playoffs. His leg was starting to fall apart on him playing every other day. Um, yeah. Phoenix is going to play their guys because they're going to be in a dogfight for the seven, eight, nine, ten 10 zone in the Western Conference. So they can't afford to rest their guys this year.
1: Yeah, I, I like I said, I love Devin Booker this year, and the biggest thing that I always look to is SGA playing next to Chris Paul, and the growth that he was able to make with him next, as as with with him standing next to Chris Paul. Chris Paul just makes everyone on his team better. He's a true leader. He's the best point guard in the league still, in my opinion. Away from like being a leader and everything, or just for being a leader, how he conducts himself, how he gets buckets. Chris Paul is still one of the best out there, hands down. I just. I just can't trust Kawhi Leonard. Like I can see him missing a week due to a swollen finger. I they only care about the playoffs. That's what their eyes are set on. And if that's the case, I want my fantasy players to be in the game, giving me fantasy points.
0: Yeah, you, especially in a head-to-head league with uh, daily moves, unlimited games played every week. You just you need guys that are out on the court. So I mean, that's kind of the way I ended up rolling in that one anyway. Uh, although at the end of the year, you know, like I said here, if you, if you are actually fighting for turnovers, Kawhi had the better numbers last year, even by totals. He missed, you know, Booker played 10 more games than him and they were basically in a dead heat. So boy, if Devin even misses a couple and that number gets closer, then Kawhi probably wins that battle. So I don't know that there's a perfect answer that we don't know how dinged up these guys are going to be. You just, you go with what you can and the, the, what we know is that Phoenix is going to be gunning. They're going to be gunning, and you kind of have to just roll with that. Uh, what about the I, Lakers side? To pivot back into the, uh, the other game here on this, this Tuesday night card, we know LeBron, we know Anthony Davis. Is anybody else on that team fantasy relevant? Montrez, Schroeder, do these guys actually make the cut for you in a 12-team league?
1: Uh, Montrez does. I mean, walking double-double. High 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 field goal percentage. I don't know how many minutes does he. Do you think he gets a lot of minutes? Like what what is your minutes cap for Montrez? Is it twenty five? Do you think he rarely ever sees thirty? Is when Anthony Davis is out, is he automatic starter, automatic thirty minutes? And how many games does AD sit? So I think Montrez is someone you definitely got to keep your eye on the entire time. He's at he's. I mean, eighth round, really. I, I'm not a huge Montrez guy. I'm not saying go snack him. He's your sleeper or anything like that, but. I think walking double double, high field goal percentage, that's always nice to have on your team. And I do like Dennis Schroeder. I'm a I think Dennis Schroeder showed you an OKC. He is still a very good basketball player. He's fast. LeBron's gonna get him open. If he can knock down threes like he was last season, if he can, if he can drive to the basket and finish the way he was doing, I really, I really like him. I really like Dennis Schroeder this year.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you on the Montrez. He played about 28 minutes a game with the Clippers last year. I'm guessing he'll be not that far away from that number this season, maybe a minute or two less. Probably puts him somewhere near the, the edge of the top 100. Schroeder last year got 15 shots a game in OKC. I don't know if he gets back to that mark in LA, so he probably falls outside the top 100 for me, but this you know, this is why we watch stuff. I had another thought, Vince, uh, and I'm curious your take on this, And and I mean this in in the most sincere way possible. Normally, I mean, the NBA is starting on Christmas week this year. Normally Christmas week is when a lot of people stop paying attention to their fantasy teams. Do you think that still happens this season, even with it being opening week?
1: I think people are tired of being at home looking at each other. I I think they're going to keep their eyes glued to the TV (laughs) saying, give me this good food. Let me play with these new toys, try on these new clothes. By the way, the Warriors are playing. Let's turn that on. By the way, Lakers Clippers. Can we turn that on, please? It's like Christmas Day games are just, are going to turn into basically Thursday night football for Thanksgiving. It's just going to be a thing that you always have on fantasy wise. Are people really checking their phone? Probably not. But I think they're going to be heavily into their rosters Christmas Eve. Mm. I, I, I like it. I like that it starts like right here because they also get to see it prior. Like the season starts today, right? When the show comes yeah. out, it starts today. We finally get to see basketball. A lot of games are happening, too, uh, today and, and tomorrow, on Wednesday. So like we're going to see a nice bit of games so you can get a feel for what your players are. You can kind of see how the rotations are going to be for a lot of these guys. And I think you're going to need to pay attention if you're in a league where, obviously, you have money involved or where you just want to be a champion. You're going to have to see how these teams are going to be playing, heading into a big holiday game. In a shortened season. So I, I think so. I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention. Vince, let's do this again sometime. I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. Let's do it. He's
0: Vince Miracle, the Miracle Man, at VM Center on Twitter. Have a lovely opening night, Vince, and a very Merry Christmas, good sir. I'll talk to you after.
1: Merry Christmas, man. Happy holidays to everybody, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon.
0: And that was the great Vince Miracle, old buddy. But I have to explain the the stamp he pulled out. For those of you which is, by the way, the vast majority, because I think we had like 200 listeners back when Vince and I were doing this show in 2016. Uh, Vince and I, we were playing around one day. I had a soundboard on my laptop because I was using it from time to time to run the public address system of a minor league baseball stadium. So I had a soundboard on it with some of these weird noises we talked about doing, you know, Im- impressions to get our voices loosened up. Uh, one of the sounds we had on it was the noise he made. We ended up just doing it with our mouths because it was more funny after that. But that was the stamp someone else's headache, the S-E-H stamp we'd often give to fantasy players that were just going to be more trouble than than they were worth. And so Vince pulled it out for Kawhi. I'm in head-to-head, and, and I, if I could have monologued a little bit longer there, I probably would have gotten into it. I actually would flip it in Roto Games cap. I think with a Games cap, at that point, you go kawaii in that head-to-head battle um, because with Booker playing the extra 11 games, that's great, but then the difference between the players can be made up elsewhere. Let me explain what I mean by that. In a, in a head-to-head, unlimited games format, you only have one opportunity to get a guy to play his game. So in any given week, let's say Kawhi has four games and Booker has four games. In any given week, if Kawhi misses one of those games and Booker plays all four, and that puts them, I don't know, we'll call it relatively close to even based on our numbers. It wasn't quite that substantial. We'd have to go with a bigger number. That's great, and it favors Booker because he had the ever-so-slight edge because Kawhi was missing a game. Now, you know what we talked about last year, they became basically deadlocked when we were punting turnovers in, uh, over the, the full season. If we weren't punting turnovers and you included the bubble, then Booker actually played 13 additional games and Kawhi was just a little bit in front of him. Kawhi was 6th and Booker was 8th for the entire season by totals last year. So it was very close, and if you punted turnovers, it, it flipped on its head. The reason I like Booker in a head-to-head format is you want those games. You want those games and you want to be able to rely on your guy. Even if the at the end of the year the net value of the two guys is basically a dead heat, it doesn't work out that way in a head-to-head format. Any given week, if Kawhi only plays, and in this case, you know, uh Booker playing an additional thirteen games is like playing basically an extra twenty-five percent here. Thirteen times four is fifty-two. Kawhi was at fifty-seven to seventy. So it's a little bit a little bit less than that number, but You catch my meaning. So on any given week, if Booker is actually playing 20 to 25% more games, we can almost use that three versus four comparison. You want the guy playing all of his games. You don't want to be relying on Kawhi. You know, he misses one game here. That's a a roster slot. And a best way to visualize this in your head, because when I say they come out to the same at the end, you're like, well, if they're the same, then what's the difference? Here's the difference. In a head-to-head league, there will at some point this year... Be a night where you have a maxed out roster and you have Kawhi Leonard in there and you can't get him out because he's a late scratch. And sure, a lot of the time we're going to know early which game he's resting on a back-to-back and you can make uh, adjustments for it. But if there's ever a game where he costs you that roster spot, it's a big deal. But let's say for argument's sake that in head-to-head, it's too close to call. I went Booker, you could have gone Kawhi, it's a wash in head-to-head. I think you lean Booker because he's going to play down the stretch, but again, not really the point. In Roto, where I do most of my handiwork, and I'm in head-to-head leagues because everybody does them. You just eventually, you got to do one. Uh, Kawhi's the play because when Kawhi misses a game, it doesn't count against your games cap. That roster slot is going to get to 72 games somehow. 57 of Kawhi and 15 of someone else versus 70 of Booker and two of someone else. So the question now is, if Booker plays 70 and Kawhi plays 57 out of 72 games, we're creating these numbers built a little bit based on you know last year plus bubble, basically. At the end of that, their overall value to your team is quite similar. Booker way out in front in points scored, and three-pointers because of the extra games played. Kawhi winning rebounds, Booker winning assists, Kawhi winning steals. You guys catch how this is all going. But you still have those 13 other games to use out of the Kawhi Leonard slot on your roster. So you're actually getting 57 games of Kawhi plus 13 of some ghost you can pick up off the waiver wire. And if you add 57 games of Kawhi to 13 games of anything provided it's not one of those guys that's just decimating your roster with horrible percentages or massive turnovers or something to that effect. You pass Booker in Roto, because it's Kawhi plus 13. Head-to-head, they're even. But in a games cap format, you can make up for those games later. You can bank on the idea that Kawhi's only given you 57 games, and his per-game value keeps him in a dead heat with Booker. Head-to-head, you can't make that up later on in the season. You get your 57, that's all you get. He misses a game in your playoffs, you don't get to make that up later. He plays, he plays six in a row during weeks that don't matter that much to your team and then misses two games on a week where you really need him. That stuff kills you in head-to-head. It doesn't kill you in Roto. Things don't reset every week. There's no playoff. Anyway, a couple of follow-up thoughts on that point. My old pal, the first true non brewski co-host on Fantasy NBA today, back working with us here at Hoop Ball, very excited about that. Uh thank you once again to Vince at VM Center on Twitter. So you have an idea now of what the nightly preview will be like and we're not going to go deep dive on each game when there are big cards like this. Some of the time I'll be moving through at at a pretty good clip where um uh, you know, for instance, um, like it, you know, I'm looking at tomorrow's card. How many games are there tomorrow? A lot. Is that a dozen? It's more than that, isn't it? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it's uh, it's thir- thirteen. Everybody else, right? Everybody that didn't play tonight. So there's thirteen games tomorrow. We're not going to spend twenty minutes on each game on a thirteen-game card. I don't have that much time, and neither do you. So we'll move through them at a much Quicker pace, but hopefully this one gave you an indicator of generally what we're looking at in these in these ball games as we're breaking them down. I want to remind all you guys that one of the this is also kind of the pivot day, where because draft season is now over, hoop ball transitions into regular season mode. So starting as of I believe basically when that first game tips tonight. You can jump on the Fantasy Pass now without the six-month commitment. That was part of draft season because if you got on it during draft season, you got the Brewski 150, you got the draft guide, all these things that are sort of proprietary intel that uh, you need to have a a commitment locked into, which now you don't because that stuff is in the past. So once games are going, you can kind of demo the Fantasy Pass starting, I, I guess it would be probably later on tonight as of me recording this podcast, it's $4.99 a month, so make that first $4.99 payment. Check out all the cool stuff involved. The thing that I really think you guys are going to enjoy is the new HoopBall Discord channel. I'm in there often monitoring threads. There's uh, a DFS Discord, which you get with the Fantasy Pass because the DFS Pass is in that. General DFS chats, inactives, late-game swaps. Those are going on on the DFS side. On the Fantasy side, there's just a general thread, ad drop advice, trade advice, streaming advice. We have preset live chats like the great Adam King has a live chat going tonight between 7 and 8 p.m. Pacific time. There's a wagering thread. There's a thread for each of the 30 NBA teams if you want to get involved on that side. It's just a really, really cool way to interact with the HoopBall pros and also other premium subscribers because, frankly, you guys that are getting this HoopBall intel are some of the best fantasy players on the planet and you're able to help each other in addition to to uh, being able to talk to some of the folks here on staff at HoopBall. So, uh, you know, th- obviously there's a lot more in that fantasy pass besides just the Discord, but frankly, I think that's worth the 4.99 dollars by itself. So please do check that out, hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fantasy Pass tab. Wait until the six-month commitment barrier comes down if you've already drafted. Don't get locked into that. This way you can try it out. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to end up hanging around for six months anyway, but at least this way you do have the option. So please do check that out. That's part of what keeps us floating here over at HoopBall. Uh, again, if you love the pod, drop a five-star review on it. Thankful forever. Subscribe and follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Whatever you do tonight, folks, make it a fun one. The NBA season is upon us. Enjoy opening night. Warriors, Nets, Clippers, Lakers, we're back at you tomorrow. We'll break down our first game's fantasy side since march later everybody this has been a hoop ball presentation